Welcome to Speak Life. Today I want to talk to you about the power of your words. And the main reason I want to talk to you about this today is because I want you to fully understand that your words contain the ability to create your world. Let me explain. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that the tongue holds the power of life and death and that those who love it will eat from its fruit. You see, the Bible tells us that our words are producing some type of fruit in our lives and that you and I will eat the fruit of our words. Now, the Good News Translation says it like this. It says that what you say can preserve life or destroy it and that you must accept the consequences of your words. You mean to say there are consequences to our words? I hope that this is helping you to gain a better understanding today of the fact that it's time for you to begin to become very intentional about the words that you are saying so that your words can begin to empower your life rather than destroy it. You know, the Bible has a lot to say regarding the power of our tongue. And in fact, the words lips, tongue, mouth, and words appear over 170 times throughout the entire Bible. And the truth is, is that we all need to work on this area. We all need to guard the words that are coming out of our mouths because according to the Bible, life and death are in the power of our tongues. Now, in recent years, there's been a lot of discussion regarding the word of faith message, subjects such as the concept of the power of confession, as well as the concept of calling things that are not as though they are. And I believe that these subjects have not only been very controversial, but they've really been misunderstood. So I want us today to get into God's Word so that you can begin to gain a better understanding of just exactly what God's Word has to say regarding these subjects. Now the first topic that I want to take a look at today is what is known as calling things that are not as though they are. And I really want you to understand that this concept is not only a biblical principle that God himself demonstrated for us, but that it's also a fundamental truth that was modeled by Jesus Christ throughout his ministry. So let's take a look at this. Let's start in the very beginning. Let's take a look at the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. And the Bible says this. It says that in the beginning, God created the universe. And it goes on to say that the earth was formless and that it was empty and that it was dark. Well, that is until God did something by speaking. The Bible says that he spoke into the darkness saying, let there be light. And when God spoke, immediately change occurred. Then for the next six days, the Bible says that God continued creating by speaking. And on the sixth day, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, so that they, meaning man and woman, so that they may rule over the fish, birds, and over every creature. Now, please understand that that word rule in the Greek means to have authority over, to take dominion, to have authority and dominion over. 
So what the Bible is telling us here is that God gave mankind the authority to have dominion and to rule over everything here upon the earth. You see, you and I are God's representatives upon the face of this earth. And because of the fact that you and I were made in the very image and the very likeness of God himself, we should be resembling God in many ways, including operating and functioning in the creative power that God demonstrated for mankind when he spoke into the darkness saying, let there be light. I'm here to remind you today that if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you have a creative, powerful force that is living on the inside of you, and that force, my friend, is called the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to open up your mouth, and when you begin to release words of faith out of your mouth, you too have the ability to create your world. You know, Jesus reminded us about just how powerful that our words can be. When he told us in Mark 11 and 22, he said, have faith in God. He said, I tell you the truth, that if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now, the mountain that Jesus is referring to here in this scripture is not a literal mountain, but Jesus is referring to any type of situation or circumstance in your life that needs to be changed. And Jesus says that if we speak to those mountains, that those mountains can be changed. They can move. Now, let's break this down just a little bit so that you'll have a better understanding of exactly what he was meaning here. Let's take a look at this. Jesus said that if we speak to a mountain, if we speak to a situation or a circumstance in our lives, and that if we believe and do not doubt when we're speaking, that we can have what we say. Now notice that Jesus begins this passage by saying, have faith in God. Now one translation says it like this. It says, have God's kind of faith. So what exactly does God's kind of faith look like? Well, Hebrews 11 and 3 explains this perfectly for us. Hebrews 11 and 3 tells us that by faith we understand that the universe was framed at God's command so that what is seen has been made out of things that are invisible. So how was the universe created? According to the Bible, it was created at God's command. You see, God spoke the universe into existence. God created the universe by releasing faith out of his mouth. Praise God. This is, this is exactly what kind of faith that God has. And what's so exciting about all of this is that the Bible actually encourages you and I to have God's kind of faith. This is extremely exciting because as Christians, as believers, you and I can operate in God's kind of faith. Because according to the Bible, the Bible tells us that every man has been given, every believer has been given a measure of faith. And that you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You have a creative, powerful force, God's Spirit, that is living and dwelling on the inside of you if you're a believer. And so... 
All we have to do is open up our mouths and release that faith through the words that we're saying. Well, maybe you're watching today and you're thinking, oh gosh, you know, I, I think the, the thought of speaking things into existence and calling things that are not as though they are, that, that just sounds a little bit out there to me. Maybe you believe that the thought of saying, my body is strong, my body is whole, my body is healed, when in the natural you're having difficulty even getting out of bed in the morning because in the natural you're in pain. Maybe for you, the thought of saying, that teenager loves the Lord with all of his heart. He's on fire for God. When in the natural, that teenager is running as far and as fast from the Lord as possible. You see, maybe the thought of, of, of speaking change and moving mountains and calling things that are not as though they are actually just sounds ludicrous to you. Well, maybe the reason why is because you're viewing this biblical principle through the eyes of reasoning rather than viewing it through the eyes of faith. You see, the definition of the word reasoning is the action of thinking about something in a logical, sensible way. However, the definition of faith, according to the Bible, is confidence in what we are expecting to happen and the assurance of what we do not see yet with our natural eyes. So you see, faith says this. Faith says, I'm confident that this is happening. I'm expecting this to happen. I have the assurance that things are changing. But logic tries to view things from a sensible standpoint. You see, logic and faith are complete opposites. So that's why uh, there's, there's nothing logical about saying, oh, my teenager loves God with all their heart. They're serving God when in the natural, they're running as far and fast from the Lord as they can. There's nothing logical about any of this, you see, because faith is not logical. Faith is supernatural. Someone once said that they felt like the thought of speaking something uh, that's not actually true and, and confessing something that's not actually a reality just sounds like lying or denial to them. Well, let's understand this. I want you to understand that a lie is something that is purposefully meant to deceive someone and is designed to make someone believe something that is not true. However, faith is not lying. And confessing something by faith is not lying. It's simply speaking forth words that are in agreement with the word of God rather than agreeing with the circumstances that are around you. So faith isn't lying and faith is not denial, but faith is believing for and expecting something to happen. And faith is absolutely a principle of God. You see, when God saw the darkness, he never denied that it was dark. He just did something about the darkness by speaking into the darkness and changing the circumstances by saying, let there be light. So what this means is that you can agree with the dark circumstances that you're facing today. You can accept those dark circumstances in your life. Or you can do something about those circumstances by speaking forth the answer in faith. Amen? Praise God. Well, maybe you're thinking this. You, you might be thinking, oh, don't tell me that, 
you're one of those name it and claim it kind of preachers. Don't tell me that. Is, is this what you're telling me? Well, the answer is absolutely yes. This is what I'm telling you. But only if you can find it in the Word of God. If it's a biblical principle, if it's a concept, if it's a promise from God, if it's a scripture that's contained in God's Word, I absolutely believe it. Otherwise, I'm making God out to be a liar. So that's why I encourage you today. If you're facing a difficulty in your, in your life, let's say you're, you're facing some type of a difficulty in your finances. Instead of claiming, my finances are never going to improve, I'm never going to be able to pay for my child's education, I'm never going to be able to get out of debt. Begin confessing and claiming the Word of God. Find a scripture such as Philippians 4 and 19. The Word of God tells us, that God will supply all of our needs. Begin claiming the promises that are contained in God's word. Begin claiming, God, you said, you promised in your word that you would supply all my needs. And I have a need in my life for my child to go to college. And instead of accepting the, the medical report that you may have gotten from your doctor that your sickness is only going to, to go downhill and, and rather than claiming, well, I better just prepare for the worse. My doctor said that this disease is only going to get worse. Instead of claiming that, begin to claim the promises and the truths that are contained in God's word. Begin to remind the Lord of his word. Begin to say, God, you know, in the book of Exodus 15 and 26, you said that you are the Lord that heals me. So God, I am standing upon your truth. I am claiming your truth. I am claiming and confessing what you said in your word that you are the Lord that heals me. So I receive my healing in Jesus' name. Praise God. Remember, remember that when you're confessing this, you're not denying that the, what the doctor told you. You're not denying the medical report that you've been given. You're just denying its right to exist in your body. You're denying its right to control your body. You're denying its right to have authority over your body. And you're operating in the authority and the biblical principles that God demonstrated for you to do. So in doing this, you're actually operating in a biblical principle that's not only biblical, but very, very powerful. But unfortunately, the problem is, is that many Christians are not functioning in these biblical principles because they simply do not believe. Let me remind you of the words of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. He didn't say, I, I tell you a lie. He said, I tell you the truth that if you believe and you do not doubt and you will, excuse me, if you, let me back up. Jesus said that if you believe and you do not doubt when you're speaking, right, that you will have what you say. You see, because if you doubt something's going to happen, it's not going to happen. You know, you always get what you're believing for. Because even if you're doubting, you're still believing something. That's why it's critical for you to stop saying things like, well, I doubt that my child's ever going to change. I, I doubt that my health will ever improve. I doubt that I will ever be able to pay off my mortgage. You see, because when you're speaking forth these words of doubt 
and unbelief over your situations and circumstances. What you're doing is you are speaking words of death over these situations. Remember, the Bible says that you will eat the fruit of your words. So I want to ask you a question today. What, what have you been saying? What have you been speaking? What have you been saying about that teenager? What have you been saying about your health? What have you been saying about your finances? What exactly has been coming out of your mouth? And what have you been doing about the circumstances that you're facing currently? Have you been allowing those circumstances to have control over you? Have you just been kind of going with the flow? Are you allowing your circumstances to control you and to dictate to you what's going to happen in your life? Or are you operating and functioning in the biblical principle that Jesus Christ taught us when he said to speak to the mountains? Are you commanding those mountains to move and to change in the name of Jesus? Are you using your authority? What have you been doing? What have you been saying? Have you been speaking life or have you been speaking death? Life and death are in the power of your tongue. Well, I hope that right now you're, you're beginning to realize just how vital, just how critical that this really is. Maybe you're watching today and, and you're really beginning to realize that you've been creating destruction with your words rather than creating the positive changes that you need to see happening in your life. If that's you and you're, you're watching today and you're, you're beginning to realize this, Today is the day that you can begin operating and functioning in the creative power that God demonstrated for us. Today is the day that you can begin changing your circumstances by what you're speaking. You know, as we look into the Bible and as we study the life of Jesus Christ, we find many, many examples of Jesus Christ speaking and changing circumstances. The Bible says that Jesus spoke to the wind he spoke to trees. Jesus Christ even spoke to dead people. And each and every time that he spoke, change happened. I want to take a look at one example of Jesus modeling for this for us. It's found in the book of John. And in this story, we, we read about a man by the name of Lazarus. And in the story, we find that Lazarus had died and he had been dead four days. And when Jesus found out about this, he asked Martha, the sister of Lazarus, to take him to the tomb where Lazarus was laying. Once they arrived at the tomb, Jesus asked that the stone that was placed in front of the tomb be rolled away. Martha replied to Jesus saying, but Lord, he's been dead four days. By now there's a bad odor. And Jesus said to those present, he said, didn't I tell you that if you believed that you would see the glory of God. Jesus walked up to the tomb. He opened his mouth and he released the words, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that at once the dead man came out of the tomb. You see, Jesus wasn't moved by the fact that Lazarus had been dead four days. He wasn't moved by the fact that his body was already decomposing. The only thing that moved Jesus Christ was faith. And Jesus demonstrated his faith when he spoke the words, Lazarus, come forth. You see, Jesus believed, and therefore he spoke. 
And he said, to, he said to those that were present there that day, he said, didn't I tell you that if you believed that you would see the glory of God? Recently, I was cleaning out a file cabinet and after reviewing some paperwork, it came to my attention that a very important financial institute seemed to have made a very significant mistake. Well, after reviewing the documents, it came to my attention that if my calculations were accurate, this financial institution owed me a very significant amount of money. Well, I shared with a family member the fact that I was seriously considering consulting an attorney so that I could be repaid the money that had, you know, for the mistake that had happened. And when I talked to this family member about that, they said, I don't think you should do that. I think it's a very bad idea. This could really turn out badly for you. And I said, well, I believe that they do owe me money, and I believe that I will be repaid. The family member replied back to me, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I decided to go ahead and consult an attorney, and during the consultation with this attorney, the attorney began to tell me, I don't think you should do this. Uh, this could really turn out to be devastating for you. Um, I don't advise you doing this. Well, I left that day feeling very discouraged, but I made the decision to go ahead and consult one more attorney, hoping that this attorney would be a little more encouraging than the last one. So during the consultation with the second attorney, not only was this attorney more negative than the first attorney, but he was also mo more pushy and, and, and more aggressive in, in pushing his negative opinion on me, repeatedly telling me, I don't advise it. I don't advise it. I do not advise you're doing this because if you're wrong, it could blow up in your face and completely be uh, your financial ruin. Well, I thought, <clears throat> everyone that I've talked to has told me the same thing. Everybody is advising me not to do this. I, I better just forget that I even came across this paperwork. I better forget that this even happened. I better quit while I'm ahead. But just when I was about to throw in the towel, something came up out of my spirit and out through my mouth. And what came out that day was faith. And I asked the attorney, sir, let me ask you, do you believe in God? And he said, well, yes. And I said, well, you're about to see God do a miracle because I'm about to be repaid in full every dime that they owe me. Let's do this. Then pushing past all circumstances, all the negative things that people had spoken to me, everything that looked impossible in the natural I began to say every, every day, I said, God, I thank you that I am being repaid in full. I thank you that I am being repaid in full. Thank you, God, that I am being re repaid in full. And then finally, after consistently doing this for about six months, against all odds, I was repaid in full. You see, despite those that didn't believe in me, despite my circumstances, Despite those who did not believe that my victory was possible, I believed, and therefore, I spoke. You see, miracles happen because we expect them to happen. And we talk about them until we see them manifesting before our very own eyes. Amen. Your words are so powerful, so powerful. Praise the Lord. You know, before we close out today, I want to share with you a true story. 
And this story was about a, a naturopathic doctor who conducted a very eye-opening experiment. You can actually Google this on YouTube. And I highly encourage you to do this. I think it'll be very, very eye-opening to you. Well, during this experiment, this doctor by the name of Dr. Emoto placed rice into three separate beakers and he poured water over the rice. And then for 30 days, he spoke to the rice in the first beaker saying the words, thank you, in a very kind and friendly tone. Then to the rice that was contained in the second beaker, he said the words, you're an idiot, too. And to the rice that was in the third container, well, he completely ignored that rice. Consistently, for 30 days, he did this, speaking the words, thank you, you're an idiot, and ignoring the rice that was in the third container. Then after 30 days, something absolutely fascinating occurred. The rice that was contained in the first speaker, the rice that he had spoken the words thank you to in the kind and friendly manner, began to ferment, giving off the most pleasant aroma. But the rice that was contained in the second beaker, the rice that he had spoken the words, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot to consistently for 30 days, that rice had turned black. And to the rice that was in the third container, the rice that he had completely ignored for 30 days, that rice had begun to rot. Never forget that the Bible tells us that life and death are in the power of our tongues. So if you can grasp a hold of the concept of speaking life, it can mean the difference between sickness and health, life and death, or sickness or failure. So begin to speak life over your family, over your health, over your finances and over your destiny because your words are absolutely creating your world. Amen. Before we close out today, I want to give you an opportunity to speak life over yourself. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your life if you've never prayed the prayer and, and invited him to come into your life. You see, Jesus wants to give you an abundant life here upon the earth, and he wants to give you eternal life once you leave this world. So if you would love to invite Jesus to come into your life, please pray this prayer with me right now. I encourage you not to be afraid or fearful. It's a free gift. Won't you pray with me? Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, asking for the forgiveness of my sins. And right now, I receive Jesus Christ into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. I, I'm glad that you took the time to watch this program. I pray today that you have a tremendously blessed day. And always remember to speak life. Thank you.